Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. What's going on, guys? We're here. Fight Bananas, post-fight show, UFC 282. And uh, I don't even know where to start. Obviously, if you guys have been longtime watchers, you guys haven't seen my face in quite a while. Uh, Blake Schneiders from uh, MMA, <laughs> rooted MMA. But, uh, man, uh, <laughs> tonight's card was ridiculous. And uh, I've been talking to Dave over at Fight Bananas. Obviously, what a better way to end the year than to bring me back on. Um, why wait till next year till we do something? Why not go ahead and let me get the last pay-per-view of the year? It has been fantastic. Tonight's card was fantastic, at least until the end. A um, couple of weird decisions, a couple of weird uh, outcomes that we kind of left us all in head scratchers, I can assume. Um, if you guys are, I'm solo doling it as of right now. So if you guys have anything, go ahead and throw your comments in. I'll, I'll engage with you guys as much as I can. Um, but yeah, where to start? Uh, the the title fight that was on the line, Jan Lahovitz, or Magomed Ankolaev, did not end the way we all thought that might end. Um, I'm sure everybody had their own scorecards at home. I'm sure everybody had their own decisions, whether it was damage that you were inflicting, whether it was uh, overall control time. I'm not sure how anybody scored that. I know how I scored that. Uh, again, leave your comments in the side section here. I'll answer as much questions. Like I said, I am solo dole on it tonight, just me on my own. Um, might have Dave jump in. Uh, if my co-host Katie does show up, um, then she we're going to be able to go back and forth for everybody. But, yeah, uh, overall, 282 started with an absolute bang. I thought this card might go all the way to the end with absolute no decisions. We had, what, it was uh, 12 fights, I believe, 9 or 10. We had 12 fights, 9 or 10 were finishes. 10 were finishes. We had 10 finishes today. Fantastic start to a card, especially in the early prelims. You had three finishes uh, from, from Cameron Simon, uh, uh, TJ Brown, and Billy Quarantilo. But this was a weird card. And, and I've, I think I've been so perplexed by the end of the fight. But I'm actually not sure what's going on, Dave. We got Dave joining us right now. Um, I was what's up, just dude? Talking. I'm good, man. How you doing, brother? Doing good, man. Man, I was just I was just talking to the to all the watchers. This this card really left me in kind of a, a perplexion. I've been scratching my head a little bit with how it ended compared to how 96 percent of the card had went tonight. It was all over the place. Finishes left and right, knockouts, TKOs, submissions. And then we have what happened at the very end. And and I, I'd like to toss it to you. I don't even know where you would like to start. What was, what was your takeaway from the overall Las Vegas 282 last pay-per-view event of the year? What was your takeaway? The biggest loser on this card was Glover Teixeira. <laughs> like, right? 
what does he do? How, like, what do you what do you do next with him? That's so crazy. Um, no, the card was insane. Uh, the card was awesome. The first nine or ten fights, whatever it was, were all TKOs or submissions. I thought that Till Duplessis fight was like super fun. Right. Um, Tapora was probably the star of the night. Like mm-hmm. that versus Bryce Mitchell, that was like my fight of the night. And Tapora looked awesome, looked dominant to stop Mitchell and how he did. I thought he looked amazing. Chris Curtis. The action man, like shout out Chris Curtis, Rosenstrike. It was awesome. Um, of course, in a weird way, that was probably the best win ever for Patty. He's probably more controversial and bigger and than ever. It, it's it's kind of crazy how it works out. Uh, but the main event, like it's wild that there's two men literally in a cage trying to, you know, b- make the other one unconscious. And one man is saying like, yeah, the other guy won. Like just blunt out the end, give him the title. Um, it was ever, so funny because I'm watching. Have you ever seen something like that before, where where the, no, the fighter I, in a split wants to give it to the other fighter? Yeah, like and it's so bad. Like they were saying for him, like what's next? Like how can you make a rematch on that? Like I just saw that man give up a little bit in the cage and kind of outside of it. Like it's kind of like how do you give that guy a rematch? And then also, so real quick to the judge, and I'm just here with two bros. We're watching the fights and. Everyone kind of gets up and they're like, wow, ain't Kalai, he's going to be tough to beat. And I said it right away. I was like, guys, like, are you 100% sure? Like, I know, like, at the the fifth round looks so bad. But round one to me was, like, close. Round two was definitely Jan, right? Round three was close, too. But I was giving it to Jan because he had that best moment of the leg. But, like, Ankalaev started to get it going at the end of the third. I was like, are we sure? Like, did Jan win one, two, and three? Like, that was the first thing I said. Um, So, wild. Crazy. I, I I'm not gonna lie. I had it three three the first three rounds to Yon. The last two okay. were yep. absolutely dominated by Ankalaev. The only issue I had was were they going to score one of those rounds a 10-8 round, which would obviously sure. make it a split decision. But in my opinion, and especially I know damage doesn't really come into play when you're looking at scoring, which is kind of a kind of a weird thing when you're talking about the fight game. When 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 one fighter ends the fight covered in blood and the other fighter doesn't, not necessarily speaking to this fight particularly, but just in general, like when you're like, it yeah. looks like that guy got his ass beat, and uh, you know, then that's where points and strikes and, and takedowns and control time come into play, but. One of the funniest things is I thought was, in my opinion, the way I had it, I, I really had it three rounds to two for Jan because I thought he right. did so much damage on the legs that it made Ankalaev resort to his wrestling, which I'm surprised he didn't in the in the beginning. Jan did have a right. couple, Jan did have really a, a couple good takedown defenses early, and maybe that discouraged Ankalaev a little bit because he is a little bit, even though these Dagestani guys, I mean, wrestling and and ground game is their bread and butter i mean that is what they go to that is what they love and uncle i a little bit of a different beast he is a quick big guy he is good at striking he knows how to make leverage and and get the strikes in there um eventually he resorted to whatever dagestan he's good at shout out to dagestan uh, is on the, the ground game. It is wrestling it is and he clearly dominated and you only ask yourself dave if Ankalaev would have done that in round one, two, and or three, I think yeah. it would have been an easy decision. But yeah. when he I, waited so long after so much damage was incurred, and I want to know what your opinion is. I mean, why why do you think he waited so long? And two, 
did that hurt him in the long run? And do you think that it was a fair judging? Do you think it should have been a split decision? Uh, all right. So one, it's great points by you, Blake. Great points. So the first thing, you know, when like in baseball, are you a baseball guy at all? Kansas City Royals, worst team in baseball. There you go. So in baseball, they always do that uh, the shift, right, for those big power hitters. It's yes. a big, you know, David Ortiz is up, and they put three guys on the le- on the right side. And it's like, why doesn't he just bunt to the third base side and get a single every time, right? A power hitter is going to, like, uh, you know, he's going to try to hit a home run. And Kalaev, to me, on, even standing, and I know Jan really took over with the leg kicks, but if you just take the leg kicks out of it, just standing, then punching back and forth, and Jan like, kind of found it in the second, third round of the leg kicks. Yeah. That's and Kalaev's absolute strength. Like, that's his best trait as a mixed martial artist. Kind of like his left hand, his straight, his 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 movement, his back and forth, his counter strikes. I think that's his first weapon, right? So yeah. I think he thought he was doing okay. I know a couple of judges had it all three rounds of Jan. The first round was close. I thought the third round yes. was close as well. But then as soon as Jan was doing the legs, it was almost like he had – that was it. Like, he had nothing left. He had to do that. He went to that – yeah, of course, if they fight again, right? If they fight right now, they he probably does that early in round one, and it is what it is. But I think, like, uh, you know, Ankalaev was the big bet and favorite in this fight. Everyone thought he was going to win the championship, and that's the best thing he does is striking. So, like, that's what you would go to. Like, that's his first thing. Um, back to the judging. I I had for sure, like, this is my for sure, and I know it's so obvious to say, right? I had round two for Jan. Round four and round five for uh, Ankalaev. I didn't have a 10-8. I'm just going to throw that out there right And I, mm-hmm. I'm a 10-8 guy. I love 10-8s. I didn't have a 10-8. I just didn't. I know he almost stopped him. I just thought it was like, if that was in the first round, he probably wouldn't have stopped him. I think it was in the fifth. He was super tired. The fight was almost to the end. That's what I kind of thought it was like getting away a little bit. Yeah. Um, but rounds one and three is the controversial one. And just to be honest, we're 15 minutes after the fight. Like, I just kind of want to see those rounds again. I remember round one feeling like Ankalaev was controlling and Ankalaev was going first and Ankalaev was moving forward. I think Jan had some good strikes, like really, really good strikes. So I think it was super close. But I felt like watching it live, ready? I think Ankalaev round one, round one, that none of the judges thought. And I think Jan probably won round three, but it was. It was changing. Like, you can tell the end of that round, it was going to Ankalaev's, but I think, uh, you know, Jan did enough in those first two to three minutes to win the round. So I think Ankalaev at the, you know, you know, at the end of it, I think he won that fight at least three to two. So I I would be uh, pretty much in agreement with you. I thought the first round was a toss-up. I thought both fighters landed great strikes. I thought yeah. both, both fighters yeah. had great movement. There was back-and-forth pressure. It was, it was really a true toss-up for a round. I thought as round two and round three went on, Blahowitz knew that he was landing. Jan knew that he was landing those leg kicks, and they were clearly hurting. He hurt uh, Ankalaev in round two and in round three. Both times, Ankalaev had clearly made a face, wincing, feeling a right. little bit of pain, and that's where I was like, okay – which now maybe being the spectator makes me sway my first round opinion because I'm like, okay, cool. Since it was so close, I'm now giving round one to uh, Jan because he did hurt uncle I in two and three. As you go on, you know, when you, when you think about it, is that first round a toss up? And if it does go to uncle with how dominant the last two rounds was, because clearly these fighters were not the original ones. It was supposed to be Prohaskas and Glover Teixeira, 
Uh, and originally, they didn't even weren't even training for a five round fight. They were training for a three round fight. Which, as right. you know, in the fight world, the difference between fifteen minutes and twenty five minutes, that extra ten minute window, is huge when it comes to your training. It, it it changes your training. It changes your game plan. It changes your mindset. It changes your approach. It changes everything. And and you heard Daniel Cormier and Joe Rogan and, and John Ennick talk about this on on the broadcast. What I thought was so crazy was the fact that when it gets to the end, even us who watch the fight, who have opinions, still at the end we're scratching yeah. our heads going, I don't really know how I feel. I don't think a split decision now that I, in retrospect, I, I believe I probably tweeted out. I had a re-on for the first three. I said this on the on the on the post fight show just when I started. Now I'm I'm almost second guessing myself, going, well, if it really was that close, was a split decision the best decision? Putting yourself in that judge's seat, putting yourself in that judge's chair is hard because a lot of fighters or a lot of spectators like to judge the fight as a fight, but when you right. realize that each round is judged round by round by round right it does not matter what the end result looks like it does not matter what the end person or fighter looks like it is a is a point by point basis which i know there's been a lot of uh controversy in the spectating world and even the commentators world about do we need to tighten up certain uh aspects of judging do we need to do uh, do we need to attribute more points to certain aspects like takedowns for example or I know we give control time, pushing the pace, but it's just, I mean, you look at that and then you look at the Patty Pimblett fight. We haven't even gotten to that. We've been on the yawn fight, but yeah. those last two fights were two head scratchers where both fans could have fallen either way. And really, I thought the the Ankaliyev yawn fight was a lot closer than what I would have scored the Patty Pimblett Jared Gordon fight as. So, two things big time there. You ready? One, and then we'll go over the rest of the card a little bit. And then, you know, like cool. I said, I'll let you roll. I'll let you end it. Hopefully people have hey, any questions in there. Jump in, guys. Ask anything you want. Our guy Blake will answer it for you. Um, one is, if you're Jan, right? And we heard what Patty said after the fight. Like him, hate him, love him, whatever. You, there's a little bit of a poker game going on. There's a little bit of, like, who wins the best, the Academy Award is the best-looking actor, whatever it is. If you're Jan, you cannot say that. You cannot uh admit defeat you can't put the arm up even how he was sitting like i'm telling you he was sitting and you can look like he was defeated like he just got choked out by glover to share i'm like bro you won round two and three even if you lost 29 you you know you lost three to two like you can say hey i want this in a you know this guy beat me in round four and five i wasn't ready for the championship fight i want the rematch right away like like and then he he won like the judges one judge had him win and one it was a split decision like it was one of those I cannot believe you can say oh give this guy the belt he won like I like maybe people might like oh respect that and like uh, Joe Rogan said that right away but it's like you cannot give that guy the rematch like he yeah. you just cannot give him the thing I I'd rather have Demar Hill fight him I you know I rather have Paul Craig Paul Craig beat Ankaliyev nine fights ago do the rematch I like I'm over that like that's crazy and of course you have Glover waiting like I said being funny in a real way. Glover was the biggest loser of this card. Yes. I think you do Glover and Nikolaev in April, May, whenever that is, you know, range, whatever. So that's that's one. Two, right? Let me it's weird. I'm sorry. I'm holding my phone right now. There you go. MMA shirt, right? So I followed his steps. Dude, my guy Paul, he was on Patty. Like or leave it. One. On Tapora. On Chris Curtis as the underdog. On uh Rosenstrike with a knockout. My man killed it today. I followed him. 
it, it was the I thought the Orlando card was one of the biggest wins I ever got. This was the biggest yeah. bet in win I've ever had in my MMA profession career ever. I'm telling you, you got to follow the guy MMA Shark. Go to the MMA Shark.com. Bananas 50, you get $50 off. It's crazy. The guy's just giving winners. He gives like 65, 70% winners. It's insane. Like, I don't me. know. I don't know who Paul's been talking to because I, I was checking out, I've checked out a ton of Paul's videos. First off, again, guys, like Dave said, go check out MMA Shark. Paul does a fantastic job of giving you preview, previews, giving you breakdowns, giving you the lines, giving you the bets, giving you the guys he thinks going to win. Again, I can't – Dave's right over him. I'm going to point to yours, I guess. But, um, no, Paul over at MMA Shark, the last, the last two big pay-per-view fights, really the last two weeks, has just been on fire. So if you guys want to give MMA Shark a follow, he is fantastic in your premier betting – uh, even if you're just a casual fan who doesn't like to bet, go check him out. The guy's got a ton of good content, ton of good stuff. Go give him a follow, MMA Shark. Paul's the man over there. All right. So with that, that's kind of that's transition a little bit. 60 minutes in, we got to mention Patty. Like Patty's probably going to be Monday morning on every MMA show podcast. Everything he will be the lead. I, I, he probably will be. Okay. I'm going to hold breakdown. You can go ahead. Like <laughs> it's crazy. Like I. I, I it was funny. I, I bet on Patty Pimlet. I'll be upfront about it. But halfway through the fight, I started was rooting for uh, Jared Gordon. I don't know. I was just starting like it just he kind of won me over in that left hook and whatever, whatever. Um, so uh, <laughs> um, when Patty started like uh, just really giving up the third round, I looked like that he thought that he won round in two. I yes. thought Patty won round two, but. Round one was ultra close. Round three, we give it to Gordon, I would assume, right? I know he didn't do yes. a ton of damage, but the man did control that guy for three and a half, four minutes on the cage. I know the very end, Patty was on, all that stuff. But um, I don't know. Like, it's I, – I definitely think that um, – I think it, it wasn't as much as a robbery, I guess what I'm trying to say, as much as people think. I think Patty won round two. Gordon won round three, and round one was close. And I think I lean Gordon, and I do. I think that check hook landed clean, landed yes. the most, and probably the two or three most significant strikes in round one belongs to Jared Gordon. So I think Jared Gordon probably should have won that round two or three. But, like, everyone's blowing up, dude. They think it's the biggest robbery in the sport. And, you know, I, it's, I know everyone's in the moment. I get it. But Of course. Everybody's, everybody's reactive. Everybody's reactive when they watch the fights firsthand. Again, because I think we we as humans have such short-term memory that we forget what happened in round one. We forget what happened in round two. We forget how scoring has worked. My, here's what I thought. I thought round one could have been a toss-up because both fighters landed. I'm leaning more towards Gordon because both fighters landed huge, huge shots. Patty was landing very significant shots, but they didn't come as timely as Gordon's did. Two, I thought, clearly went to Patty. Patty clearly won round two. So I think he felt so comfortable in round three. Round three came around, and and I'm going to sound like such a casual because I had to learn how the fight game worked. I had to learn after watching for, you know, X amount of years. And I'll tell you this, side note for anybody, if you want to get into MMA, go out and buy UFC three, four, go, and just start playing. You're going to start getting in tune with the fighters. You're going to start getting in tune with how you win. And you're going to start loving it even more. That's what got me into this game. First fights I ever saw were Chuck Liddell. That was the guy that ever got me into this sport. Chuck, Iceman Chuck Liddell, the haircut, the tattoos, the, the shorts. That's how I got started. 
Then I took a hiatus and bought the video game. The video game taught me a lot more about moves. It got me interested in grappling. It got me interested in the control game, ground game, things you don't fight, think of because in fighting, everybody wants the big knockout. Everybody wants the huge overhand right. Everybody wants the absolute stunned, knocked out person. If you start to understand the game, yes, Jared Gordon, in my opinion, won that third round, but man, was it just the most neutral third round I've watched in a little while. It was so like, and a lot of people want to say like, and I'll be the first one. I I will say that Gordon took quote unquote, the easy way out. It wasn't the easy way out. It was strategic. He felt like he won the first round. He thought he lost the second round. If he thought he could neutralize the third round and land some punches that would at least give him some slight edge in that third round, he was going to get the dub. And that's, it unfortunately didn't work that way, but I could. And real, and real quick, like I thought Gordon was winning the stand up. Like it was so wild that, like you know, sometimes when the guy is losing the stand up, like he he shoots like a, a yes. you know, like Bryce Mitchell. Like Bryce Mitchell was losing the stand up. He, he yes. was shooting on the floor. Like that's what he was doing. Gordon shot on him and was like leaning against him, and I was like, brother, like in a way, and even like a, a couple of his cornermen's like, dude, you might be down 0-2. You really might be like, let's go. And he was just yeah. like kind of content on winning and i know people are gonna like hate that to say but like he was just content on winning round three instead of like winning the fight like dude we saw Inkalai try to put yan away at the end of round five like i i love that we just saw uh do du- duplessis choked out darren till at the end of round three like that fight was either way by the way that was like the worst best fight ever it was crazy it was like awesome but awful it was such, such a fun thing so like i thought jared gordon should be throwing bombs no, I, I thought so too. I, I really thought it was a, an odd tactic because he had been so close both rounds that I was like, I don't know. I'm not really sure what you're getting. But, but here's what I think. I think he just got tired. Now, granted, yeah. I understand that it takes a lot of energy to, to grapple. It takes a lot of energy to do what he did. But what he was doing was neutralizing Patty. He was like, I don't want to be caught by Patty. And I'm not necessarily going to take you down until he did at the very end of the round. But it was more, hey, can I just stall, stall, stall? Can I stall out this win? And a lot of people are going to say that's ugly. Other people are going to say that's strategy. At the end of the day, it is what it is. And I fully expected Patty to get his, to get his loss yeah. tonight. And he did it. Oh, okay. That's a whole other thing I want to talk to you about, Dave, because uh, – you look at you look at the law or you look at the win by Patty. You look at his post fight uh, uh, comments when he talked to uh, Joe Rogan about, "Hey, did you ask your manager if you if you could uh, if I could get paid or you could get paid for the interview?" Obviously, Patty has been a polarizing figure from start to finish. He has been a polarizing figure since he stepped into the world of mixed martial arts. He has been a polarizing figure this week with talking shit on Ariel Helwani. And I'm not going to lie. I would love to hear your opinion. I think Ariel Helwani won that battle. And it's not necessarily a battle. It's, it's two guys talking shit. I also right. see Patty's point where he's sitting in front of the president, the man who controls your paychecks, wanting to kind of butter up to Dana White. I totally sure. get that from Patty because sure. you know you've had a little bit of a misunderstanding with Ariel. You also know that Dana White – fucking hates Ariel and yeah. you're like, Hey, I'm just going to play kind of the heel card or butter up to my, 
uh, you know, butter up to the boss essentially and uh, try to get a couple extra brownie points. Do you, because I know there will be people that think this, do you believe that that uh, entire headline, that entire drama, and the buttering up to Dana had any play in tonight's decision? And I'm not suggesting there is. No. I'm just curious. No, definitely not. Because, oh. like, I, I, I've been, you know, me, I go to so many events. I cover so many events. Uh, you know, live and sometimes I'm literally sitting cage side and literally I'm sometimes I'm actually sitting next to a judge. Even when I commentate, I'm sitting next to where a judge and the promoter isn't like no one's talking to the judges. Like no one is in between the fight. No one's talking to the judges. And sometimes you ready for this one. Like I know the judges know what's up. Right. And they know who Patty Pimlet is and they can hear the crowd and they probably know, right. That the UFC would rather have Patty Pimlet win. Of course, of course. But like, the judges, like, if that ever, like, it's the same thing. Like, I don't want to get into it because we're 25 and, you know, we'll have another podcast maybe about the whole James Krause thing. If that ever, just oh, yeah. one inkling came out of, like, hey, you know, one of the judges said, yeah, Dana kind of hit his elbow and jokingly said, like, hey, if it's close, make it a pimlet night. Anything of that nature. Like, the sport is just gone. Like, the exactly. black-eyed sport. Exactly. PFL would take over the number one spot in America. Like, 100%. it would just be destroyed. So, like. It is what it is. Like, I'm, I'm telling you, like, I watched the fight and even round three, like, and if anyone wants to, and I, I'm like, you know, we're going to go down that rabbit hole. If someone said, hey, I had Pimlet one in round three, I wouldn't want to fight that person. Be like, okay. Like, I get it. Like, Gordon just stood there and leaned on him. Like, Patty had those inside elbows, kind of hitting the ribs, kind of like doing everything he can. And then, but like, at the really very end, I know it was only thir- 30 seconds. He really kind of got his back, went for the back, and then kind of went punches on him. Like, the two or three biggest best moments of round three was Patty. Like, and I give Gordon round three. Like, I if I was a judge, I would say Gordon round three. But if if one judge said uh, uh, Patty won round three, I'm like, okay. And same thing, two I give to Patty. In round one, I gave to Gordon. But if someone said Patty, I'd be like, okay, he he I definitely threw. Him. Like he was throwing, and I thought the check hook was landing the the cleanest for Gordon in round one. But I thought Patty was still, he was in the fight. It was a cool, yeah. good fight. And, um, you know, it is what it is. I don't think they grapple that much. I think most of the grapple was round two. That's when Patty started to really dominate Gordon. Yeah. But, man, like, it's crazy. It's, um, it, like you said, yeah, it was so funny because I, w- I saw a post. It was like, I think it was the first nine fights were all nine finishes or whatever it was. And, yeah, the last two both went to the judges and decision and just kind of, like, mind fucked the world. Just, like, just devastated everyone. And, you know, and of course he is, he's so polarizing. Yeah. I, and then dude, real quick, you said that about Ariel and him talking to Dana, come on. Like we're all real people. If, if someone doesn't want to be, uh, you know, a, a little bit different, a little bit nicer with your boss, like that's just the real life. That's, that's real life talking. And maybe, maybe he really feels that way about Ariel and maybe he can feel that way and that's fine. But, um, you know, I, that had to me nothing to do with the judging. Um, yeah. And this is called the last thing. And then, like I said, I probably will hit this and I'll run, Blake. This just be, I thought Patty looked just okay tonight. And no offense to Jared Gordon. I talked to Jared Gordon before. He's been on the podcast before. Like the guy. Like, Jared Gordon's the 25th best lightweight in the world. And I don't think, like, they're close. It was a, it was a very go-either-way fight. Patty's nowhere near, nowhere near. I, I saw Patty made fun of, uh, you know, our guy, Grant Dawson, 
Grant Dawson, I think, smothers Patty Pimlet, destroys I'm, Patty Pimlet. And, Pat, and Grant's 15th. Grant's 15th. Like, Patty, like, everyone thinks Patty's a top five guy. Like, dude, he gets killed by Michael Chandler. He gets he gets hooked by Dan Hooker. He gets absolutely – Dustin Poirier to Patty Pimlet? Are you kidding me right now? Like, so, they're not – they're levels away. So, Dave, this is this is great because this is what – this was one of my main questions for tonight was – Everybody's talking about Patty getting into the top 15 now because, oh, because of his trajectory, he has to. One, I think we need to dispel the the idea that because you have a lot of media hype, you have to be projected into a, uh, a, a talent class that is way above yours just because you have hype. I think that whole notion needs to be dispelled. Second of all, my question was, do you think Patty deserves to be in the top 10? Because if I watch this fight right now, Fuck no. 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 Like, Mokiano just got in the top 15, and Money Mokiano absolutely kills Patty Pimlet. Just kills him. And that's, and that's, that's, dude, 15 through like 12, um, like, it, they're, they're murderers, they're killers. Rafael Fazeev, Justin Keiichi, like, these guys kill Patty Pimlet. So, Patty Pimlet not fit top 15. And the weird thing is, I don't know what they do with the next. Like, I don't know either. Yeah, like, I don't know what kind of caliber guy he fights. You ready for this one? And I know, like, he was the big news, like, yesterday and the day before, and everyone said Connor versus Michael Chandler is his fight back. You ready for this one? I don't think you ever – you don't waste this because I don't think Patty ever gets up to him. I think you go Patty and Connor right away. You go with it. It would be one of the biggest fights ever. It would be one of the of biggest draws ever. Let's be honest. I think Connor gets the win. Connor gets okay. a knockout win. And I think Patty is that – 15 through 22, that'd be super popular, whatever it is. And I think then if Connor wins, tell me how big that fight Connor against Chandler for the number one contendership, Connor yeah. versus Poirier four for the number one contendership, whatever it is. I think Connor versus Patty in the summer of 2023 has been added. So, so you don't believe that Connor and the Chandler is going to happen now. You believe that they should feed somebody else to Connor first, let him get a win because let's be honest. No. Yes. Connor McGregor, Patty Pendlet. Even though everybody wants to compare the two, even though everybody thinks that, oh, the media hype, again, this is this is the power of people that work in the media. I know, obviously, we work in the media, Dave. But uh, the, the, the fight promoters and everything, they, they can push somebody so high. They can make an Icarus of somebody that doesn't deserve to be an Icarus. Right, right, right. Like, let's th push Taporia. <laughs> like, let's this, this, this push that guy. Ilya Taporia is the guy to push. No, I think they had in mind Chandler and Connor. I think the same kind of thing. It's it would be a humongous fight. Um, I have Chandler in that fight, just straight up. But I think Connor has a shot. Ch Chandler is hittable, but I think now because I think Patty, they thought Patty would be a little bit, uh, you know, higher. I think they thought Patty would be more into like top ten, like you say, talks, twelve talks, and then like in championship oh, wow. talks. Do you, do I don't think, think that's there anymore. I think that's. Gone. Do you think that's from their own um, their own expectations and their own expectations have gotten the best of them with the media hype? Because I think what right. we've seen is Patty is a really good fighter. He is unpolished. He is funky. He has a lot of weird characteristics about him that make him awkward to fight, which make his uh, ceiling almost un really almost ungaugeable because you don't really know. You're like unattainable. Yeah, because because we're not really sure what you can be, but we know what the media tells you you can be. 
So, yeah. so is this a, a fault of the media really kind of pushing somebody up higher than they than they probably should be? And again, Patty didn't look bad tonight. He 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 proved he can step in the cage with somebody like Jared Gordon, and he proved he can fight somebody like Jared Gordon. But there's so many things that guys in the actual top 15, the top of the top, the cream of the crop, the people that just don't fucking stop, they're going to ruin him. Yeah. And then the, US, so, the USC has lost a hype train that they really wanted to keep going. And I think they're pushing a hype train faster than really what the tracks have been made. Yeah. My last one of the night, and I'll, I'll, let, I'll run, is it when after the Patty fight, like I said, my boys were here watching the fights. And the two things I said to him, I was like, it makes me in a weird way uh, like and even respect and kind of like, wow what Conor McGregor and even Sugar Sean O'Malley did the same thing. Sugar Sean O'Malley, a lot of people don't like him. They think he's overhyped, all that stuff. Man, Sugar Sean O'Malley's, you know, one nine out of his last 10, whatever it is. He just, I don't care. Same thing. What are you thinking about the Peter? He went 15 minutes with Peter Yon, who everyone thinks is still a top 10 pound for pound guy in the world. It was a great fight. He's knocked out, you know, stuff, all this stuff. And same thing with Conor, like Conor's run, people think he's like so overrated now and not good and all that stuff. Conor in that run defeated Max Holloway. Dustin Poirier was lighting people up, defeated Chad Mendez, um, defeated um, uh, Jose Aldo in four seconds. So, um, you know, it's crazy. I think it was, uh, he's definitely like almost, I don't want to say under, but I just don't think people realize that run that Conor had eight, nine, ten years ago, whatever it was. Well, Dave, it's always a pleasure talking with you. Uh, this is this is the first time we've actually gotten to be on the same stream together, brother. I appreciate it. And there you go, it's already what, like, almost 1 o'clock in the morning. So anybody who's still watching, I appreciate you. Again, leave your comments on the side page here. Uh, shout out to MMA Shark. Paul over there does a fantastic job. Dave, thank you for joining me, and I hope you have a great evening. Absolutely, brother. And guys, if you're uh, even if you just caught up to the end of this or whatever it is, uh, this podcast, the audio version will be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, every podcast platform. It'll be out Monday morning, maybe even Sunday night late, but I'll put it up Monday morning. Everyone can download it, uh, listen to it. So, uh, you know, the Dave Van Auken show Monday morning, this whole thing will be on. Blake, go kill it, brother. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. Night, man. That was Dave Van Auken, owner of Fight Bananas. He's been gracious enough to uh, allow me to uh, do this post-fight show. Obviously, you guys, long-time fans, you guys have seen my face before. I used to be on here with my good, bo my good boy and my friend, uh, Josh Byers, uh, over here at Rooted MMA. That's the podcast that we run. Um, hadn't been on in quite a while. We had kind of taken a little hiatus, but we decided to come back because, one, I can't get away from the fight game. I watch every single freaking weekend. It is fantastic. Uh, to me, it's tied for the greatest sport in the world. I'm also a giant football head, if you guys didn't know this. Um, big Kansas City Chiefs fans, go Kansas City. But, uh, yeah, thank you for Dave for joining the show. And, again, I'm going to solo dolo this, and we're just going to run down a couple of the fights for the night. I'm going to give my uh, fight of the nights, performances of the nights, you know, bonuses and everything like that. But, you know, if we really want to go back, this overall card, like we've talked about, two crazy decisions at the end of the night. It was essentially two head scratchers in a night full of decisions. Or a night, not a night full of decisions, a night full of finishes, whether it was subs, whether it was TKOs, whether it was knockouts. I believe we had two different triangle chokes. We had two different rear naked chokes. We had multiple TKOs. This, this card was fantastic. Um, I'm not going to go ahead and put it up there with card of the year. 
Um, I think, I think uh, again, recency bias kind of plays into that a lot when a lot of people think, oh, this is the card of the year. This is the card of the year. I don't think any of us are probably thinking that. Uh, again, shout out to JL for commenting. Thank you so much, JL, for getting in the chat. Thank you so much for Bird, uh, Donna Lawlin. Uh, appreciate you guys commenting. If anybody wants to comment down below, I will gladly take your guys' uh, comments. I will answer any questions you guys have. Um, Javier, I agree. The fights were fantastic, and uh, the the judges were definitely in question. I think again, when you when you talk about recency bias, when you talk about round for round, it was just weird overall. Javier, they 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 favored one round. They they gave us some weird things over the other rounds. I think me and Dave were kind of on the same page. Where I don't think the Patty robbery or the steal of Patty was as blatant as uh, a lot of people wanted to set wanted to see or wanted to talk about but at the end of the day there was so many toss-ups with that again I could have tossed up that first round of Patty second round I think Patty's was but I could have tossed up the first round from Gordon as well Gordon kind of neutralized him in the third round again he didn't do a whole lot but he did was able to at least control Patty and I think at the end of the day that's really what the judges thought as well they, they thought that wasn't really a, a good enough round for us to give you enough points for it ended up giving him the decision um going through e- each of these other fights though uh the Ponza Nibio Alex Morono fight that was such a good fight uh I thought you know Alex Morono stepping in especially after Ponza Nibio's opponent stepped out um Robbie Lawler unfortunately we would all love to see Robbie Lawler on this card he was not able to make it unfortunately but Alex Morono stepped in and gave Ponzinibbio a hell of a fight. Ponzinibbio looked good, but Morono was giving him ones, twos, threes all night. Actually stunned Ponzinibbio for a first uh, for a minute in that uh, I believe it was the end of the round, or beginning of the third, uh, end of the second, or beginning of the third. And uh, who knows if Alex Morono would have won that fight? That would have been huge for his career. Ponzinibbio has obviously faced illnesses, injuries. His career has been up and down this entire um, his entire UFC career, which unfortunately, you know, it is what it is. He got the win tonight, secured himself a victory. Good for him. Was able to put Morono away. It was also probably the 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 nastiest knockout of the night, if we should say. I know everybody watched the fights watched it on the pay-per-view or any illegal streaming services. I don't condone that. But if you did do that, um, <laughs> when uh, Ponzinibbio hit Morono in the face and he went, you knew it was that was over. It was over. When you struck somebody like that, that was probably one of the nastier knockouts of the evening. Um, I, I know a lot of people had a lot of money on the Bryce Mitchell Ilya Teporia fight, the Darren Till, uh, Drikas Duplessis fight. Both those fights were fantastic. Uh, well, I say fantastic. Bryce Mitchell versus Ilya Teporia. We're going to get to that first before we get to the Darren Till Duplessis fight. Uh, Bryce Mitchell has been a fan favorite. Everybody, whether you hate Bryce Mitchell or you love Bryce Mitchell, he is a polarizing figure left and right. Maybe you're a uh, – Ilya is a beast, Javier. I agree. And you know what? He came in with a fantastic game plan. Whether you're a flat earther or you are a southerner, northerner, it doesn't really matter. You know, I think there's a lot of people that like Bryce Mitchell. Whether you like the camo and that's it. Maybe you're a hunting fishing guy. Ilya Teporia and him got into – well, actually, it wasn't Ilya and him. It was Ilya and Patty who got into a lot of pre-fight, post, uh, pre-fight conference – 
uh, debacles, calling him hand sanitizer boy, giving him the old one-two, telling him to come fight him, telling him, you know, just saying all the things when really Ilya was that entire time focused on Bryce. Bryce and him didn't really go back and forth because that's not really how either of them are. But um, Ilya Teporia, I thought, brought a perfect game plan to who Bryce Mitchell is, how he fights. He had a low stance when he was fighting. He had tremendous takedown defense in the first two rounds. Fantastic. Bryce was able to get one, maybe two on him. But Ilya Tapuria's game plan coming into this was spot on. His left hand was – the jab was landing. He was beating up Bryce the entire fight. Even when he got him on the ground and the end eventually submitted him, he just gassed Bryce. Bryce Mitchell was gassed by the end of that fight. I don't know if that was a training camp issue. I don't know if that was just him getting beaten up, pushed to the brink. As he said, he's been beaten up his whole life. Well, you haven't been beaten up like Ilya Tapuria beat you up tonight because that was fantastic. Tapuria, in my mind, moves up. And, and if we want to talk about where he maybe goes, he, I, I believe he called somebody out. Joe, when he interviewed him, didn't mention it. In my mind, it sounded like he called somebody out. I couldn't make out the name super clearly, but in my mind, I believe he was talking about Giga Chahadza, but uh, I, I just I'm not really sure if that was the call out. Good for him. I think that'd be a great fight to make next. But yeah, uh, I thought Ilya Tapuria, fantastic, really beat down somebody who everybody thought's ground game was fantastic. And not only did he beat him on the ground or beat him in the uh, on the stand-up, he beat him on the ground, submitted Bryce Mitchell. That was huge. Moving on to the Darren Till versus uh, Dreesis Duplissis fight. That was one of my favorite fights of the evening. Uh, if you look at it, it looked like Duplissis was going to beat Till in the first round when Till didn't have a single punch thrown. He was up 60 strikes to zero. 60 to zero. And I thought Ref might step in, stop that fight. He didn't. And I'm glad he didn't because Till kept saying, hey, I'm okay. Hey, I'm okay. Hey, I'm okay. But he was getting space bashed in. I mean, he was getting bashed. Then he was able to get out of it. They went on to the second round. Darren Till clearly won that second round. Duplicis had blown most of his load. Again, if you listen to his post-fight conference or post-fight interview, he said, uh, I, might be em- I might be close to empty, but I'm never out, which I thought was a great line to use, especially after the, uh, the showing he had just did, especially after the win that he brought in. But um, Darren Till came in that second round, and that striking was fantastic. I thought Duplicis was depleted. I thought he was tired. Till looked to be okay. His left eye was swollen a little bit, but that's okay. He could still see. Then in the, in the end of the second round, after Till had been winning the entire second round, Duplicis took him down, and what he did was he trapped his leg right behind his knee, and, and uh, Till's foot fell collapsed over his own leg with, with Duplicis' leg caught in between, which I'm assuming what we've heard is there could be an ACL tear, possibly. could be PCL, could be MCL, could be nothing at all. But Darren Till said as he was exiting, exiting the cage or was caught saying, 
I think I might have torn my ACL. So I can only imagine that when he got taken down and his foot got trapped behind him, he possibly injured that right, that left knee. Um, if that's the case, extremely unfortunate for Darren Till because I do believe if he had not gotten injured at the end of that second round, we would be talking about Darren Till moving up from the 10 spot into who knows who is fighting next. But Duplissis ends up getting the, the tap in the third round from a rear naked choke on Darren Till. He basically wore him out. Till's knee was hurting clearly. And um, at the end of the day, Duplissis showed that he's a, he's a tough dude. I mean, South African, tough motherfucker, knows how to fight, knows how to not empty the tank as much as we thought he did. Again, like he said, I might be close to empty, but I'm never out. Again, great line. Uh, so great for uh, Drinks Duplissis. He looked fantastic tonight. Uh, I think one of the big fights of the night that we have yet to talk about, Raul Rojas Jr. on the prelims, and he was the main main fighter for the prelims. Raul Rojas Jr. versus Jay Perrin. A lot of people thought this was too quick of a matchup for Raul Rojas and too quick of a high spot in the cards rankings. Um, I think a lot of people thought he should have been in the early prelims, one, two, or three, four, maybe in the in the start of the prelims. But Raul Rojas Jr. came in from former contender series winner. Dana White signs him, youngest fighter ever in UFC history to win a fight, average step in the octagon, I believe, uh, 18 years and two months. So still a senior in high school. We're talking about all these grown men. Hell, we look at Jan Blachowicz. Jan Blachowicz is 39 years old. He's almost 40 years old. And you have a guy who's 22 years, 21 years older, younger than him, coming in to fight in his UFC debut after winning the Contender Series against Jay Perrin. Somebody who's been in the UFC, somebody who has fought um, some solid fights, doesn't have a lot of wins, but uh, talked a lot of trash. That fight versus Raul and Jay, Raul looked like a seasoned vet. And I'm talking seasoned. His grappling ability, his striking ability, and mainly it became the grappling ability because once he got him down, Jay was not able to get up. Ended up being a first-round finish. Ended up being a rear naked choke as well. I think the second – that was the first of the evening. Second of the night later was uh, Duplicis. But this kid is going to have a major future in the UFC. If we take what he did tonight – and, again, we talked about hype trains earlier. We talked about people who uh, are getting built up by the media. This kid's legit. I mean, this kid is legit. Too legit to quit because at the end of the day, he put on such a clinic and he took a guy out in the first round who has had UFC experience, who is uh, 11 years his elder, somebody who has been in the trenches, fought the fought the local circuit, fought the main circuit, and came out and looked like a veteran. And I'm talking so much of a vet that his grappling ability – and then they talked about it a lot about how he got into grappling and when he was younger. And once he got into high school, he got into a, a competition. And people said, hey, I think you need to worry about your grappling because that seems to be what you're the best at. 145, he looked super strong. I'm sorry, not 145. He's bantamweight. Bantamweight. 
He looked so strong. I mean, controlling Perrin left and right. He knew all the right moves. He was attacking the proper situations, attacking the neck, attacking the throat. Raul Rojas Jr. is somebody to look out for when you go forward in this entire UFC history and career. He's 18 in two months. Not 18 in two months. He's 18 years old and two months in. He's going to be a guy that is going to be on the radar for many people as possibly a future champion. And I'm going to tell you this right now. John Jones is the youngest champion at 23 years of age in the UFC. Youngest in the world. Mark my words, Raul Rojas Jr., the 18-year-old, will possibly beat John Jones for the fastest rising champion ever. He's got five years, five years to beat John Jones's record. I promise you, you give this kid five years and plenty of experience, then working at the Performance Institute, who knows, maybe going to American Top Team, maybe going into any of the other clubs here around the United States. Give that kid more training. He is going to become a future champion. Mark my words. I promise you that. Uh, going down the rest of the card list, um, Regina, uh, Rosenstrike, Biggie Boy versus Chris Dukakis. That was the quickest match of the night. 23 seconds it took for uh, Jarazino Rosenstrike. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, absolute stud caught him with a straight left. It wasn't, I mean, it was just a jab and put him down instantly. I know, I, I know Chris Dawkins was not expecting that. We've seen some good fights from Chris before, but Rosenstrike seems like right now he's a man on a mission. Joshua, what's up, my guy? Joshua B. Byers. Joshua, you want to hop in? You're more than welcome, brother. I know you always, uh, always available, but, um, yeah. Uh, Jarzine Rosenstrike absolutely put on a, a show today. And I think he might get my uh, knockout of the night. I'll do my uh, performances at the end of the day. Who gets performance? Who gets a bonus? Who got submission? KO of the evening. All that good stuff. Fight of the night. Uh, but uh, Rosenstrike, I mean, 23-second KO. I don't know how you can argue with that. 23 seconds. 23 seconds. I, I know that Chris Dawkins did not want that to go down like that. He just got caught, and Rosenstrike was a man on a mission today. I don't know what more you want me to say about that because that was flawless victory. I mean, a guy who ate one early, gave one out, and then dished out the hands of hell, that was a fantastic from, from Rosenstrike. So, Biggie Boy, congrats to you. That's actually going to open up some, uh, some interesting scenarios for Rosenstrike coming up. Personally, I don't know what you guys think. Comment below if you guys want to uh, chime in where you think Rosenstrike and the heavyweight division should move. But I believe that Rosenstrike could get a couple rematches here. I think you could do the redo the Volkov fight. I think mean, you could really redo. My favorite would be Rosenstrike versus Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis got the win on Rosenstrike the first time, but I think you could run that fight back, especially with a couple losses that Derek Lewis had previously this past year and the year before. Um, but that, to me, the heavyweight division, if you want to run those two fights back, that would be fantastic in my opinion. I would sign up two big swang and heavy bangers. I would love to see it. Uh, if you guys want to talk about a couple of the first early fights of the evening, 
Um, one of my favorites, we actually had we actually had two brand new newcomers to the UFC today, two guys that were making their UFC debut in Cameron Samen from South Africa versus uh, uh, Steven Kozlov. What can you say about Samen? Yes, I do know if you guys watched all the prelims, and you better be watching the prelims. If there's anything you learn from Fight Bananas, watch the damn prelims. The prelims is how you guys are going to know who is coming up in this league. And I'm telling you, somebody who's coming up in this league, Cameron Simon. Cameron Simon, not really quite sure how they pronounce it. They had a couple different people say it. It looks like Simon. I believe it's Simon. Um, Cameron Simon was 6-0, came into the UFC, facing off Steven Coslow. He was in control most of that fight. They called him for an illegal knee during the middle of that fight. I would like an explanation. Uh, and maybe my, maybe my uh, understanding is a little hazy. I do not believe the knee was illegal. Um, typically, it's, it's, if it's two or three points of contact that it needs to be, I thought it was three points of contact that you aren't allowed to have anything, but uh, they called it a legal knee. Kozlo, I thought, was going to throw in the tap and either take the no decision or the no contest or take the dub, depending on how they had it scored at the time. He didn't. He manned up, said he was able to go, and then eventually uh, Cameron was able to get him in the end, one in the third, TKO, just gave him a barrage. He was super tired. Super just worn out. But Cameron Sanger, welcome to the UFC, sir. Welcome to the UFC. That was a brilliant uh, display. Young kid, again, from South Africa. Uh, I've got a comment from Josh here. Uh, Rosenstrike, maybe Pavlovich. Maybe he talked about it, but he did what he had to do. He's him. Hey, I'm telling you, Drikas had a fantastic fight. Thought he was going to get the stoppage early. Then he looked like he was totally gassed, getting beat up by Till. Then he ended up, at the end of the second round, hurting Till's leg. Beat him at the end, eventually getting the rear naked choke. I thought that was fantastic. I could, I would love to see Rosenstrike for Pavlovich. Uh, I don't know. Josh, give me, your, uh, give me your opinion on who you think would win that fight. I like I like the track that Rosenstrike is on. He seems like he's focused. He seems like he's kind of quelled a couple things in right now, but um, I could definitely see both those things happening. Again, Drikas, fantastic fight tonight. But yeah, Cameron Samen, the South African versus Stephen Kozlo. Um, great, great UFC debut. Obviously, the other second debut was Raul Rojas Jr., which we just talked about versus Jay Perrin. Um, first round rear naked choke. I don't even need to talk more about him. You guys just go look up his highlights. Go look up the fight tonight. That man dominated front to back. Um, one of the other guys who made his debut today was Eric Silva versus TJ Brown. Unfortunately, TJ Brown, the better opponent, the more uh, the more seasoned opponent. Eric Silva just did not seem to have anything quite going today. Was able to go um, almost three rounds. Ended up getting subbed by our uh, arm triangle in the third round. But either way, um, good for him. You know. Uh, Older guy getting his uh, appearance in the UFC, I believe. Eric Silva's 35, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So a little bit older to be starting his UFC career, but has a tremendous story. Hopefully he can learn from this this night's loss. 
and be able to go forward. Um, one of my favorite fights of the evening was actually uh, the Billy Quarantilo and uh, Alexander Hernandez fight. Talk about two guys that are absolute warriors. Obviously, think of Alexander Hernandez, Alexander the Great. I get it. Alexander Hernandez had a fantastic fight. Quarantilo, I believe, won that first round. Alexander Hernandez came back and dominated the second. Then we thought he was going to win the third. I'm sorry. Uh, let me go back. <laughs> Solo doling it is not necessarily what I'm used to, but I'm doing it. This is the first for everybody here. So, sorry about that. Um, but yeah, Billy Quarantilo, I thought I thought Alexander Hernandez actually beat him up the first round. I apologize. Um, had him had him wobbled, had him bloodied up. I think a lot of people were on Billy's side in the beginning of the fight, but Alexander really came out, knew what he was doing. Made the move down to 145. Looked great. Looked fantastic. And I think he might have, uh, again, to use a phrase, blew his load a little earlier than he meant to because then once Billy started getting going in that second round, was able to land punch after punch after punch after punch, bloodying Alexander. Eventually was able to get him down in the second round. TKO. Fantastic. Good for Billy Quarantilo. Um that might, I mean, in my opinion, and I'm not giving out awards yet, but that might have been up there for fight of the night. <laughs> and I know everybody heard Patty first year, Gordon raise his hand. He goes, fight of the night, Dana. Don't you think I deserve fight of the night? Do we all think that Patty deserved fight of the night? I don't think anybody thinks that. In fact, it was one of the worst fights of the night. Anyway, um, obviously, you go on to uh, Joaquin Buckley versus Chris Curtis. Chris Curtis moving up the ranks in the uh, middleweight division. Chris Curtis looked great. Got a great knockout on Joaquin Buckley in the second round. I believe it was an upset. Uh, Chris Curtis, I, th I think a lot of people had expected just to uh, – Joaquin Buckley's good. He's very powerful. Had the knockout of the year last year with the spinning back kick. Um, very powerful guy, but Chris Curtis came in, did exactly what he needed to do, got the upset TKO. Good for Chris Curtis at the uh, middleweight division. Another middleweight fight following that afterwards. Uh, Edmund Shabazayan. Um, is it Shab Shabzayan or Shabazmyan? Some of these names are a little hard sometimes, you know. As much as you do this sport, you always encounter another name that you're like. I don't know if everybody's pronouncing that right. Nurmagomedov, you know, Khabib Nurmagomedov, Nurmagomedov, you know, it's whatever. But um, uh, Edmund got a fantastic second round KO as well. Verstalja. Um, those were two. Those were two great fights. I was uh, I was watching both of those. I was a little preoccupied. I was trying to set a couple things up. Um, but I know Chris Curtis's fight got the upset over Joaquin Buckley. Edmund looked fantastic in that second round, got the absolute KO. Great stick from both those boys. But overall, the fight was – the card this week was was a great card. It just – it ended. It kind of soured as everybody um, – as everybody kind of came to an end. The last two fights, not that great. So 
Um, as my awards for the end of the evening, my fight of the night, I believe, has to go. And it's really tough because the fight, it's, it's, you got fight of the night, you have uh, performance of the night, and then I'm going to give knockout of the night. But uh, overall, I think my fight of the night goes to Billy Corantillo and Alexander Hernandez. That was such a back and forth. Everybody was like, I don't know if it's going to go one way or the other. Ended up going Billy Corantillo's way. Um, came back from adversity, showed toughness, ground game, standing game, everything in between. He looked fantastic. So I'm going to give my fight of the night to Billy Corantino. My performance of the night is going to go to uh, Raul Rojas Jr. Obviously, new kid coming in, 18 years old. He's going to get the dub. And uh, at 18 years and two months, his future is so bright. And to do it in such a spectacular way versus a fighter like Jay Perrin, good for him, man. Good for him. He's going to be fantastic. Might be able to challenge John Jones in the long run for the fastest uh, champion ever in the US, UFC history, which I would love to see. Again, he's got five years to get it done. I think in five years, we're definitely going to see. I'll give him three years before we see him uh, competing against top 15 guys. So, uh, Rojo Rojas Jr., and then, so I gave performance, or I gave fight of the night. I gave uh, performance of the night. And I guess I'll, I, I say knockout of the night. I'm going to give finish of the night. That's going to be my my end one. Finish of the night is going to be Dries' Duplessis, a guy who should have finished Darren Till in the first round, then was getting beat in the second round, thought he was going to get finished, thought he had blown his load, thought he was gassed, thought he was tired. And then in the end, to come all the way back to beat Darren Till in a rear naked choke and made him tap. Finish of the night, 100%. Dreesus Duplessis, South African as well. Two of the best guys tonight, Cameron Simon and Dreesus Duplessis, both South Africans. South Africa had a good night tonight. Both of them got two duds. Um, That was just a fantastic fight. At the end of the day, overcame so much adversity, beat a guy who's a hype train like like anybody else, Darren Till. Um, things are going wrong for Darren Till right now. There's a lot of questions for Darren Till's future, especially a 14 beating a 10. So it'll be interesting to see how that happens. Again, those are my end up, end up picks for the night. I'm going to go with Billy Corintillo, Raul Rojas Jr., Dreesus Duplessis. Those are my favorite guys tonight. Again, didn't end the way we wanted to have a split title in the light heavyweight division with Jan Blahowitz. And uh, with Jan Blahowitz and uh, uh, Magomed Ankulayev, um, that'll be remain to be resolved. It'll be interesting, but I appreciate you guys joining in for the show tonight. I'm Blake Schneiders. Again, go check out, go check me out on Twitter. My handle is right here, uh, right here. Uh, Gingerpants29. You can catch me on Instagram. You can also check us out at uh, Rooted MMA. I'm going to hopefully be able to start putting some more stuff up on Rooted MMA here soon. But then uh, thank you to MMA Shark. Paul always does a fantastic job over there, as well as Fight Bananas. And, and shout out to Dave Van Ock for joining the show in the beginning of this. Hope you guys had an awesome fight night. I know it's late. It's 1.41. Y'all get to sleep. I'll catch you later. Peace. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. 
Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.